Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. Welcome back to the Gospel for Life. We um, are down a man in the studio today. Um, Pastor Jonathan had to leave, but I still have with me Vinny Henke from Valley Life Community Church. Vinny, hey, how are you? I'm doing very well, sir. How are you today? Very good. And Ryan Hempel from... Treasure Valley RPCNA. Ryan, good to have you. Thanks for having me here. And we have been dealing with Advent thoughts and ideas, primarily based upon a book called The Coming of, of the King, by compiled of the writings of J.C. Ryle. This is going to be one of those picture-within-picture-within-picture moments. We record early and... Lord willing, I will be in a car right now making my way down to Salt Lake City. So the reality is I could be in a car listening to me talking about being in a car about the show that I'm now recording. Well, uh, Russ, to your future self, I hope you have a safe trip. Well, thank you. Thank you. Keep your eyes on the road. My family is more spread out, and so we don't get together as as very often as an entire family. So... I'm anticipating this with a lot of be great. joy. Wonderful. Because my whole family will be together. But as a listener, I'm pretty sure you don't care. But <laughs> we hopefully are talking about things that you do care about, and that is the incarnation of Jesus Christ. And I want to read a couple of verses from Luke 2, and then Vinny and Ryan will read some thoughts on these verses by J.C. Ryle. Luke writes, And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was an, with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Ryle's expository thoughts begin this way. We read in these verses how the birth of the Lord Jesus was first announced to the world. The birth of a king's son is generally made an occasion of public celebration and rejoicing. The announcement of the birth of the Prince of Peace was made privately at midnight and without anything of worldly pomp and show. Let us mark to whom the tidings first came that Christ was born. They were shepherds living out in the fields near Bethlehem, keeping watch over their flock by night. To shepherds, not to priests and rulers, not to scribes and Pharisees, an angel appeared proclaiming, There is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Let us also mark the language used by the angel in announcing Christ's birth to the shepherds, He said, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. We need not wonder at these words. The spiritual darkness 
which had covered the earth for 4,000 years, was about to be rolled away. The way to pardon and peace with God was about to be thrown open to all mankind. The head of Satan was about to be bruised. Liberty was about to be proclaimed to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind. The mighty truth was about to be proclaimed that God could be just and yet, for Christ's sake, justify the ungodly. Salvation was no longer to be seen through types and figures, but openly and face to face. The knowledge of God was no longer to be confined to the Jews, but to be offered to the whole Gentile world. The days of ignorance of the true God were numbered. The first stone of God's kingdom was about to be set up. If this was not good tidings, there were never tidings that deserve the name. Ryle continues, Let us mark the hymn of praise which the heavenly host sung in the hearing of the shepherds. They said, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Glory to God in the highest, the song begins. Now has come the highest degree of glory to God, by the appearing of his Son, Jesus Christ, in the world. He, by his life and death on the cross, will glorify God's attributes, justice, holiness, mercy, and wisdom, as they never were glorified before. Creation glorified God, but not so much as redemption. Peace on earth, the song goes on. Now has come to earth the peace of which of God which passes all understanding. The perfect peace between a holy God and, a sin, and sinful men and women which Christ was to purchase with his own blood. The peace which is offered freely to all. The peace which, once admitted into the heart, makes men and women live at peace one with another and will one day overspread the whole world. Goodwill towards men, the song concludes. Now has come the time when God's kindness and goodwill towards guilty men and women is to be fully made known. His power was seen in creation. His justice was seen in the flood, but his mercy remained to be fully revealed by the appearing in atonement of Jesus Christ. Such was the meaning of the angel song. Happy are they that can enter into that meaning and with their hearts assent to its contents. The man who hopes to live in heaven should have some practical acquaintance with the language of its inhabitants. So during this Advent season, I know that different churches have different, you know, things that they're doing and different Advent messages. Some don't do Advent messages. All of that's completely fine. You you can approach this season pretty much how you want to and, and be within bounds as long as you have it centered on the Word of God. So... All of that to say that in our church, the messages that I've been preaching have been on the messages of the angels. So the message that the angel brought to Mary and to Joseph, this coming Sunday I'll be preaching on this particular passage of the message that the angels bring to the shepherds. And I've been structuring the the sermons all the same way, all three points, the backstory, the message and then the response. So in this, what difference does it make? Or maybe it doesn't make any difference that the message came to shepherds. How much should we make of that? Is there any significance to that? I don't, honestly, I don't know. I haven't thought of it in those terms of the significance of the recipients of the message. I mean, there's been a connection of God, you know, Jesus himself is our great shepherd, um, the people of God have always been, you know, shepherds in some way, shape, or form. So the fact that this message comes to those shepherds who are at night are fulfilling their roles as good shepherds and watching over the flock at night. I've always been 
know, this is one of the things that now that you mentioned you're preaching on this this Sunday, hopefully I don't uh, step on your toes, but I, I do disagree <laughs> a little bit with Ryle in the common understanding that, you know, this was a heavenly choir singing. You know, they, they give praise to God, and sometimes we attribute praise with singing, but we can also praise with proclaiming and saying. And, you know, the word host is throughout Scripture used. It's a military term for the the rank and order and file of a of a mighty army and military you know god the son in his pre-incarnate state appears to joseph or joshua and before they go and take over jericho and he says he's the commander of the army of uh, of the lord he's the, that word army there hosts i mean it's so and the reason why i mentioned that is the significance i think of what we have here is the army of god you know, if you think of the terror that that would instill in these shepherds with this massive angelic army in full battle gear and what are they proclaiming they're proclaiming peace you know an army that should come and destroy the whole earth in judgment is here on this night proclaiming peace because of the king that had been born it's interesting that not overly important so don't put a a lot of significance (laughs) but it's interesting as you go through the gospel accounts most of the early chapters what we attribute to them singing almost never has was stated that they were singing yeah the angels say there are different words for singing that weren't employed that weren't used in the gospel accounts and i do say all this because one of my least favorite christmas carols or songs is the one that's you know Hark the Hark the Herald Angels Sing. I I really am not a big fan, and I always say that I'm pretty sure they weren't singing that. Right. And um, it just annoys my singers in my congregation. However, I agree with you, Ryan. You're not stealing any thunder from me. Most people aren't afraid of a choir, but you'd be afraid of an army. Yes. Yeah, I think so. There's there's some evidence that at this time, at this point in history, shepherds did not have a high social status, and so we can yeah we could look at some of that and say yeah I got the message of the of the the birth of Christ comes to those who are low on the social order yeah and I think we can find some some peace and comfort to that and, and Jesus's own ministry testifies to his desire to reach you know those who live humbly. Uh, and so I think there's there's some of that that, as Rao points out, that it's not to the kings, it's not to the priests, it's not to the religious elite that receive this message of glory and peace and goodwill and good tiding, but it's actually those who were socially outcast, right. s- seen below the social standard. And that fits with the whole story unfolding, just yep. the lowness of Christ's birth. The message is really about glory and peace. Why are those things so important? That that's the proclamation that, I mean, if you think about it, Jesus Christ, the one that has been promised from back in Genesis 3 on, has finally been born. And so if you think about that moment, this is a significant moment in time. This is the message. These are the truths that God says, okay, this is what I want proclaimed at the birth of my son. Glory and peace. Why, Why are those two themes so important? I think it's it's because what humanity <clears throat> tried to pursue for themselves in Genesis 3, glory, to be like God from Satan's lie, and then the thing that they lost was internal peace mm. and external peace. Immediately we see conflict between them and conflict between God. They run and hide, 
and then they blame one another when God confronts them in the garden. So for me, I think it, it ties into the thing that humanity sought for itself. So it's rightly attributed to the only one who can belong to in God, the father who brings about the plan of redemption. Mm. And then it restores the thing that was lost immediately by seeking glory for ourselves, uh, peace with God and peace with one another. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just the, uh, I mean, the, the glory to God in the highest that he's the one that's due glory. And uh, he's the one that's accomplished this, declaring it the first one to declare it in Genesis three fifteen, mm-hmm. and here is the fulfillment in Christ. And it's it's fascinating to me that the glory of God is attached to the salvation of mankind. Mm-hmm. It doesn't need to be, but God, in His good pleasure, chooses to attach His glory to the salvation of sinners, mm-hmm. of that reconciliation. The reason why there, we need peace is because we broke that peace. The reality is we rose up in rebellion against God mm-hmm. as humanity, and there's nothing we can do about it. We can't broker a peace, but God can. And so God is, is in that this moment saying, I am entering into time and space for my own glory and your good. And really... There's so much in that that is how we ought to live, that it's the glory of God and our good, and that's what allows us to have a Christmas season in which we can rejoice in a salvation that's come. It's a declarative pronouncement from the greatest, uh, glorious being that there is peace. We can receive it and announce it. Well, you've been listening to the Gospel for Life, and we will see you tomorrow.